Oh God, our Father, open our ears and enlighten our minds as we study your word. So grant that our minds may know your truth and our hearts may feel your love. And then confirm and strengthen our will so that we may go out to live what we have learned through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The book of Revelation is one book of the Bible that many Christians avoid reading or they give up on it soon after they start. They are not alone. Revelation is a book that preachers generally avoid preaching from. It's filled with unusual images, confusing symbols. It's a book that's often been presented in bizarre and really scary ways in popular culture. There are so many things wrong that people get wrong about Revelation. I'm just going to mention two. One, there's no S in the title. <laughs> you know these folks haven't read the book if they can't even get the name right. Revelation. And secondly, this is not a book that was written to frighten. It was written to comfort. Now the text for today begins in the seventh chapter, but first you need a little, little knowledge about what went on before that in the book. The first three chapters of Revelation introduced this apocalyptic book. That was a literary form that John's readers would have been real familiar with, but can seem kind of strange to modern readers. For example, in those days, numbers were associated with certain concepts. Four represented universality, like north, south, east, west, four corners of the earth. Seven was associated with completeness or fullness. Ten also had to do with completion or perfect order. Twelve, as in twelve tribes of Israel, twelve disciples, that was another number associated with completeness. And a thousand, well, a thousand had to do with, with something. The concept was it was more than could be counted. And if you don't believe it, you try counting a thousand pennies or seeds or anything else lose count. So the first three chapters contain seven letters of comfort and warning to seven churches. Then in the fourth chapter, the scene shifts to a, a heavenly vision and pictures God at the center, surrounded by four living creatures, representing all living beings. And then 24 elders, a multitude of people and angels, now, reading chapter 4 may sound strange to us until we recall the words of a familiar hymn. We sang it not long ago. Holy, 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 all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Well, casting down your crown is the way you showed a bigger monarch that you were submitting to their power. And the glassy sea, well... Glass was incredibly hard to make in those days. And so a whole sea of glass would be something even more dramatic than anybody had seen. And the cherubim and seraphim, the angels, falling down before thee, who wert an art, and evermore shall be. The fifth chapter of this book starts with a description of a scroll or book sealed with seven seals. 
taken by the lamb, the lamb representing Christ. I've read that what the lamb had would have been a, a scroll that's folded more in a, what we would consider book form with the pages sealed. And so those were the seven seals. So in chapter 6, the first six seals are open, and then the last seal is open in the eighth chapter. Our passage comes from chapter 7. It's an interruption or a digression from the seal opening. So listen now for God's word for us in Revelation chapter 7, starting at the ninth verse. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out on a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple, and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more, and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What's next? West Wing is a TV series that our family, oh, we enjoyed it when it came out and we enjoy it now, thanks to Netflix. It's about a United States president and his staff. The president is constantly bombarded with issues to deal with, hurdles to overcome, decisions to make, crises to cope with, legislative battles to fight, elections to win sometimes, and all the time problems to solve. Problems and problems and more problems. It never lets up. And as soon as one thing has been dealt with, the fictional president, Jed Bartlett, barks one question at his staff to keep himself and them on the move forward. What's next? Now you and I may not be world leaders, as far as I know, or play one on TV, uh, but our lives are filled with things that need doing and, and once we're done, don't you find yourself wondering, what's next? Or sometimes when one trouble after another comes, you wonder what's next too. 
And when our days are done, when our life on earth is over, admit it, don't you wonder, what's next? The book of Revelation with all that symbolism and mysterious metaphors tells us some things about that what's next question that can be answered. From the beginning of this passage in verse 9, we read of a huge and diverse gathering, great multitude, no one can count, from every nation, all tribes and all peoples and all languages. What's next is often the question people ask when one bad thing after another happens, but this asks, what's next? It tells us it's a time of victory. Remember that huge assembly is standing before the throne and before the Lamb robed in white with palm branches in their hand. Victors, not losers, victors wore white robes. And palm branches also symbolize victory as they did on Palm Sunday. In the 10th verse, they shout, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated at the throne and to the Lamb. And then they describe seven things, seven characteristics to God. First blessing, to bless is to, it's to praise or to glorify, to speak well of. It's, it's part of what we do in worship. We do that when we pray, hallowed be thy name in the Lord's Prayer. Secondly, glory, to acknowledge that God is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and to treat God, to respond to God in that way, not just to say it, but to do it is to give God the glory. Thirdly, wisdom. God is the source of truth, the giver of all knowledge and wisdom. Fourth, thanksgiving. God created us in everything that is. God has redeemed us through his marvelous grace. And in light of that, how can we be anything but thankful, grateful? Fifth, honor. We honor God with our worship, and by coming to God, not as some, not as though God is some super duper Santa Claus, ready to shower us with a, all the list of presents we have in mind, treats, if you will, but as our Maker, our Redeemer, to whom we owe our very being. The sixth thing that was ascribed to God was power. That is to acknowledge God's power that never weakens never diminishes, and that God's power is directed in love to us and for all of God's children. It's to acknowledge that God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year. And the seventh thing, strength. The bishop, uh, Anglican bishop and, and commentator William Barclay says that the problem in life is to find strength for its tasks, its responsibilities, its demands. The Christian can say, I will go in the strength of the Lord. And what do we make about that discussion of washing robes in the blood of the Lamb to get them white? Well, to our modern sensibilities, this sounds confusing and maybe even a little gross. To us, this sounds more like, sounds more like death than a but the early readers of Revelation, blood did not signify death, but life. 
it was not Jesus' death, but all that he did, his life, his death, everything that was done for and given to us that has justified us, that has reconciled us to God. The last few verses we read tell us a little more about what's next. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. The one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. We will worship God and God will shelter us. We also read that we will hunger no more and thirst no more. That is, our needs will be met and we will not know deprivation. And then the, that the lamb at the center of the throne will be our shepherd. He will guide us to springs of the water of life and finally God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. So, what about the past? Christ has acted in our past forgiving our sins and liberating us from slavery to sin. What about the present? Christ is acting in the present, right here, right now, releasing us from fear, providing us relationship with God in which love is the, love is the bond. And what's next? Christ will be acting in our future, continuing to free us from the power of evil and enabling us to live a new life in the life to come. Thanks be to God. This day and every day, taste and see that the Lord is good. May the God of hope keep you until Christ comes to take us all home. Amen.